SeatGeek is the easiest way to find the best deals on tickets to pretty much any live event. Concerts, sports, theater, comedy, whatever you want. Download the SeatGeek app today and enter promo code SEATS to save $20 on your first purchase. Welcome back to the Sports Beat KC podcast. This is Jesse Newell, KU Beat reporter for the Kansas City Star. I'm joined once again this week by CJ Moore. CJ, how's your week going? Jesse, did you miss me? Uh, a little bit, but you know, the worst part was seeing you do other podcasts online about college <laughs> hoops and KU basketball. Um, we've talked about this. You shouldn't be cheating on me online. It was just one, and it was just a couple days ago. I mean, yeah, it feels a little dirty, but uh, <laughs> um, it's, it's 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 good to be back. I I, I sure missed you. I I'm, I'm I apologize to you and the and the listeners. I've been a little missing in action lately, but uh, they'll see they'll see it sometime soon. Why? Yeah, I think uh, people will understand why very soon, and it'll be kind of an exciting thing for uh, both you and KU fans when all that is released, but uh, not quite yet. So we will uh, we will move on and move forward. It was interesting listening to your conversation uh, on the Big 12 and on uh, KU. A lot of these topics, it seems like we've kind of gone over over and over again on the podcast, but it seems like a, natural, a national story now. It's, you know, Sui Makailuk last week, we talked to him here up at KU, and he officially talked about him losing 20 pounds and it seems like a lot of national media members are kind of shocked like oh my gosh he was going to play the the four position for KU he's going to be the small ball four and it feels like we've talked over and over and over again about how Sue McKayluke is not a four like he's tall but he's not a four because he's not the athletic guy you want in there so it's it's kind of interesting how these conversations keep popping up I feel like we've almost over talked about them but I guess it's still going to be kind of a a national deal as everybody catches up to what's going to happen with this KU roster. Yeah, I was, you know, like you said, I talked to Sam the other day and, and he was like, well, well, that doesn't make much sense if he's going to play four. I was like, no, nah, that's that's LeGerald Vick's role. I think I think, you know, me and you've talked about that. I think the the small ball four, which I think they're going to go that route a lot again, is going to be LeGerald Vick. And it's not as smooth a fit as it was for Josh Jackson, but. I think it's a good thing that Spee's lost weight. I think he got a, a, maybe a little heavy last year. I mean, if you look at kind of his numbers from the NBA combine, as far as body fat percentage and stuff, he was not in, in a good area in terms of how he ranked for that stuff. So the fact that he lost weight and, you know, hopefully will make him a little quicker. And I think you maybe saw a little bit of it in Spain, didn't you, Jesse? Didn't you feel like he was a step or two quicker? I think that's a good thing. Yeah, I didn't see it in Spain. I saw it in Italy. Uh, Spain or Italy. Was, Spain yeah. Spain would have been good, too. You have been away for a while, haven't you? Yeah. <laughs> no, uh, Spain, absolutely. Italy, you know, I'm not very cultured, Jesse. I don't know. <laughs> places. Yeah, if you confuse Spain and Italy, you really aren't very cultured, CJ. Uh, no, the, the, absolutely. I mean, he looked quicker. He was better off the bounce. You know, I've talked a lot about how sometimes in very small samples he's been pretty good in, in pick-and-roll situations, and it seems like he's been able to feed guys on, you know, uh, on the drive if he if he comes around to pick-and-roll. But, you know, he showed better an ability to kind of do what Devontae Graham can do, where you, you can drive a little bit, get a step behind a guy or a step past a guy, and then feed somebody out on the perimeter. And we've talked about this a lot too, CJ. This is a team that's going to have a lot of outside shooters and a lot of spot-up shooters that need – basically to be created for. And so if you have those four guys on the court together, which Bill Self was in love with by the end of that Italy trip, you know, Devontae Graham, Malik Newman, Svima Kailuk, LeGerald Vick, and all those guys kind of have that same skill set where they can drive, kick, and then all hit open threes, that's a very dangerous offensive lineup. And 
as you said earlier, then you kind of figure it out on the defensive end. You figure out, okay, LeGeraldic, it might not be the perfect matchup, but he's athletic enough to make up for it, and if he can avoid fouls, you just kind of survive there where you really thrive as the offensive end where this team could once again be very dangerous. Uh, scoring scoring on the outside and, and making three-pointers, as we saw a year ago with it, with these guys making their threes. Yeah, next ne- next topic. <laughs> next topic. Well, we're gonna do a mailbag. Next topic. Ed- we're gonna do a mailbag edition here, CJ. Uh, a lot of questions on Twitter came through, so, and we are basically gonna follow uh, what Michael F. Marshall's advice was on here, which he said, "Only basketball. Dot. 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 No football. Dot. 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 Please. Uh, all caps." So we basically yeah, will I haven't, follow that. I haven't caught a I haven't caught a minute of KU football, but uh, I know it's depressing. <laughs> yeah. And, Again, we're recording this on Friday, so um, if you're listening to this Saturday afternoon and KU has pulled off a a miracle victory over West Virginia after being a 21.5-point favorite, then maybe these <laughs> words sound kind of it, weird. But uh, at, at the time we're talking, KU a 1-2 start and not the way that the football season wanted to go. And I know a lot of people are excited about basketball season coming up with, with late night in the fog just a week from Saturday as we're talking right now, eight days away and the official start of basketball season coming. So let's start this and let's get to some of these questions on here. Let's start with this one um, from Dan Fagan. He said, how do you see the backcourt bench shaking out? Who will have the biggest impact outside of the top four, a.k.a. Cunliffe and Garrett? So we just talked about the four guards and the four guards that will be in there primarily, which is uh, Malik Newman, Devontae Graham, Svee Mikhailuk, and LeGerald Vick. How do you see it shaking out outside of that, CJ? Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I was at Self's Hall of Fame thing, and, and so got a chance to talk to some people around that who obviously have some insight on what's going on in the program. And Sam's name didn't come up a lot, but Marcus Garrett did. And it, it sounds like they are really excited about that about Garrett. And he's been a guy that I've just kind of had a feeling about all, all summer that – um, that's going to be a kid that's that's better than people anticipate. And I, I think with his height and kind of vers- line, position versatility, I think, he, and also the fact that he can play right away. I mean, Sam's got to sit out. We, we've seen what that can do, having to sit out, you know, the first handful of games for like a Czech Diallo, guys like that. You know, it's it's not easy. You know, Sam does have the, the benefit of having been around – last year so that helps him but i just think it's marcus garrett that's that's really really gonna find a role on this team and find a lot of you know find minutes for him be, just because of all the things he can do apparently defensively he's he's really really strong that, that um somebody said that, that he's just you know pressures up and is it takes takes the ball from the guards a lot so he, he's a kid that, that i see having a big role in this team yeah and an interesting fit on this team you know six foot five that's very tall for uh, what has been a point guard. You know, Bilsov hasn't had many point guards that tall, but really if you look at the minutes and where KU could use backups the most, the one position, you know, kind of a, an on-ball guard, which Marcus Garrett should be able to do maybe better than some of the other guys on the roster, and then the four position, you know, the the, the small ball four that we're talking about with LeGerald Vick. I mean, if Sumi Kailuk, as we've talked about, is not a perfect fit for that position, Marcus Garrett really sort of is. He kind of has that same sort of LeGerald Vick athleticism, and with the height that he has at six foot five, you could see him playing very different roles for, for KU depending on the circumstance and the situation where the Jayhawks need him. Yeah, it'll come down. You know, I don't know what his strength's like. I mean, he's he's a buck eighty, but you you look at Vic and he's listed at one seventy five. So yeah. <laughs> that's that is really low weight for for a guy that that you wanted to go do that. But um, yeah, I I, I think that he'll, he'll play a lot of different spots and uh, he, he's going to factor in. And you know, I, I, there's going to be minutes there for for Sam too. But um, 
I just think Garrett, to me, is, is, is the guy that maybe is that first guard off the bench. Yeah, Sam tried to guard the four a little bit over in Italy as well, and he was a little bit like Svi, just it doesn't seem comfortable for him yet, fouled a lot, and and I don't blame him. You know, it's just it's something that these guys are being asked to do because of the, the roster crunch that KU has. It leads us perfectly to this question from Bleak Gilliam online on Twitter, and he says, is this team the most thin roster ever in the Bill Self era? So what say you, CJ? Uh, given it a quick th- quick look at the past rosters, I'm gonna say the 2012 team is is probably the thinnest self has ever had. You you had a, that was a the first really good starting lineup. Yeah, that was the first one that came to my mind. You had a really good starting lineup, but you had Connor Tehan is basically the sixth man. Um, Nadir Tharp played some minutes, but not a ton, and then Kevin Young. And Justin Wesley, who's you know Justin Wesley was essentially another walk on. So you, you, really, that team was seven deep. I mean, really, it was Tehan and Young were the uh, other guys that, that got minutes on that team. So you look at this group, and you know I, I think that that Lightfoot's going to have a role. Obviously, Marcus Garrett is is a guy that that we think is going to have a role. So um, you know, there's two more. There's there's Sam. There is um, who, who else am I missing here? There's a ninth guy. Oh, Billy Preston, obviously. Mm-hmm. So that's that's nine deep, and I think those guys will all play play roles. So nine deep, that's not really a bad thing. Like you 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 usually want to settle into about eight guys. I just think they're thin in one really air, obvious area, and that's that's in the the post. But but you look at the roster, and there's nine playable guys and 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 you want to get to usually you want to have like eight a rotation of about eight i think that's what self usually sells on about seven or eight so the fact that they have nine playable players i don't think they're really that thin they're just thin in one area yeah and i've got something for you here cj uh to, to talk about the 2012 team which again maybe this is a positive sign for ku basketball because that team made the national championship game. That was a pretty darn good year for Kansas. Rallied in the NCAA tournament and kind of grinded out those victories. But Justin Wesley, you talked about him kind of coming in for Kansas. Uh, in 2010, he played 18% of the minutes for Lamar. In 2012, <laughs> he played 21% of the minutes for Kansas. So uh, I'm going to go with you and say that the uh, 2012 team had the, uh, the least amount of depth when you look at it from that, just based on that fact alone. And even then, you know, the next year uh, for KU, you know, Justin Wesley really didn't play that much and, and really was limited to mostly walk on duty the next two years. But the fact that he was playing so much in that season, or at least a viable bench option that season, kind of tells you where KU was at from a depth perspective. I've kind of been on this with this team. Where I'm at is basically that this team has the same high ceiling that any Bill Self team has. I just think it has a lower floor. You talk about one injury to maybe a Yudoka Azubuki or one suspension or For sure. one guy that has a nagging thing that you're not sure he's going to play on a game-to-game basis. That knocks you immediately down to eight scholarship players in the second semester and or seven in the first semester. And one or two of those can really hamper you in a hurry. And again, I think they like a lot their top seven players. But when you look at Mitch Lightfoot and Sam Cunliffe, a little bit unknown – and if you have to force those guys into duty, there just aren't other options left on the roster. And Bill Self is so used to throwing in. I mean, remember, Hunter Mickelson was like, you know, a luxury. Like, hey, you could start him or you could put him at the end of the bench. It didn't really matter. Or there were times where Cole Aldrich was the fifth big man in KU's rotation. I mean, gone are those days for this season. 
KU and Bill Self, it's just it's a razor-thin margin for error right now that if one or two things go bad, this team becomes very thin and in a very big hurry. For sure, and, and you know, to, to, to use it in a historical context, to go back to that 2012 team, you, you talk to some of those guys and they'll tell you everyone knew their role and played to that role. Like nobody tried to get do something that they weren't capable of because, hey, here's the seven we got. We all know we're going to play. We all know what our role was, is going to be. And you go back to the team, you know, maybe a couple of years earlier, like 2010, while that team had a really super, super successful season, was really, really good, I think there were some chemistry issues and they almost had too many guys. Like they had too many players. That was the year, you know, Sharon's last year and they had Cole, Sharon, their front court had T Rob. Jeff Withy is an NBA player and he didn't even like play that year. So I, I think there there's such things sometimes as having too many guys. So I think this is just about the right mix if you had one more post play yeah. player. <laughs> and, and it's fascinating too. I was kinda of look at these numbers on Ken Palm really quickly and actually last year KU used its bench less than the twenty twelve season. But I again there's the difference there is this. If one thing went bad for KU, you still have a Carlton Bragg to put in. You know what I mean? You still have mm-hmm. a Dwight Colby to put in. You have a, a major college player or a McDonald's All American those guys just weren't getting playing time because of Bill self-coaching decisions and, and basically leaving the guys in there that were obviously successful, that led KU to a 31-5 a season. But there were other options. You know, there was a body on the bench that you trusted. Right now, I mean, I don't know who that guy is that might be kind of the emergency break glass in, emer- in case of emergency type of guy, and he might be on the football team right now. I mean, I'm honest. <laughs> KU, KU might pull a football player this year. Like, this might be the year – that KU men's yeah. basketball has to do something like that. So it'll be fascinating to watch. But it, it, KU was fine as currently constructed. It's just very close uh, to, to being in, in more of a emergency-type situation. Definitely not there yet and still with a very high ceiling uh, for KU moving forward. Let's get to another question here. Let me pull it up from – that kind of leads me to this one because we mentioned him on here, uh, the Billy Preston part. Um, scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. Yep, CJ Krug says, Billy seems to be the key to the season within front court roster, which is what you just mentioned, CJ, will self be, self be forced to play him through mistakes. So let's discuss Billy Preston. I don't know if he's he's the key to the season, but I, I, I do think he's he's important just because of the depth issue. You know, you need him probably to play that backup five spot just because Mitch Lightfoot, that's that's a really, really tough thing to, to maybe put four guards out there with Mitch Lightfoot. So with, with Preston's size and his body, he makes more sense to where he can play that backup five. You know, obviously he's going to be either – maybe at some point the starting four or the backup four. So, yeah, you, you need him for minutes. But in terms of calling him like the key guy, maybe for KU ceiling, he's a he's a really, really key guy. But in terms of just being a, a, a key player to their success, I, I don't know that I necessarily see it that way because I, I can see a scenario where he's just okay and they're really, really good still. Yeah, for sure. And, again, his role kind of changes with the depth that is there and maybe like you said having to play the five position but this will be the battle all year we know this will be the battle all year Billy Preston kind of like Carlton Bragg likes to float to the perimeter likes to get to the outside likes to to shoot over the top of people Bill Self wants him to be an inside player he wants him to play above the rim he wants him to grab rebounds he wants him to put his shoulder down and clear some space and, and put in a short turnaround jumper in the lane he wants him to be a big man 
Billy Preston still believes that he's a perimeter player. So that's going to be a battle that's fought all throughout this year. It was a battle that was fought in Italy. And when Billy Preston did decide to go inside, he was pretty successful during one of those games. But when he kind of tried to float to the perimeter, shoot fadeaways, he drew Bill Self's ire. So that's going to be something over and over and over again, along with getting him to play the hard, play hard. That is up to KU standard, getting him to hustle all the time, all those sorts of things. That's going to be something that will be continually uh, something to look at throughout the course of the season because Billy Preston, that's why he's a work in progress is because the coaches are still working with, with him to try to get them in the mold and the vision that they see for him this season. Yeah, Bragg's a good comp, but the difference is Bragg didn't have the body. Preston's got the body. So he looks the part. He's just got to get it, get it right upstairs. So I, th- I think he goes in with a little bit of an advantage there because Bragg never quite had the physical attributes to really thrive in that spot. Yeah, and he tried. I mean, remember we all had the stories about, okay, he added 25 pounds in the offseason. He weighed as much as Landon Lucas, all those sorts of things. But, again, just never really came together for Carlton Bragg at Kansas for whatever reason. But this is kind of a similar type of player, and Bill Self is going to hammer it to him over and over that you are an inside player. You're a guy that needs to to power your way in the post. You need to be the team's best rebounder when you're in, all those sorts of things. And it's just going to be different. It's going to be a different way of coaching, I think, than uh, Billy Preston has ever experienced in his life. From Bobby Norell on here, outside of the Kentucky game, ranked the best non-conference games for KU this season. So, CJ, I just pulled it up. I will give you a quick rundown to let you know your choices uh, of the non-conference games for KU. Here you go. Home against Tennessee State. Home against South Dakota State. Home against Texas Southern. Home against Oakland. uh, Home against Toledo. Syracuse in the Hoop Hall Miami Invitational. Versus Washington in Kansas City. Uh, versus Arizona State in Lawrence at Nebraska, versus Omaha at home, versus Stanford in Sacramento, and then the final game is the Texas A&M game in the Big 12 SEC Challenge in Lawrence. So what say you about the top non-conference games outside of Kentucky? All right, well, let's kind of separate these between mid-majors and major conference teams. So in terms of mid-majors that they're playing – the couple that you 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 know, maybe you'll be more like if you're trying to decide okay what what game do I go to Lawrence where it's it's a it's a viable ticket but you know I I want to see like a, a decent game you don't want to see 110 to 50 yeah yeah the, the 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 three teams that stick out right away to me are Oakland okay. always has a pretty yep. always has a pretty good program I agree um, Greg Camp does a good job there he's had some some pros. And then Texas Southern, um, Mike Davis, you know, get some players down there. And, um, and then the third is, is Omaha. Omaha was actually pretty good last year. I think they graduated some guys, but, um, you know, th- that, that program's on the up and up. So, so those are three that, that might be, be decent, but, you know, other than that, the, so, so now we go to the big conference schools, so, you know, obviously Kentucky's number one, but they said take, take Kentucky out. Take them out. So, you know, Syracuse is probably next on the list. I think a lot of KU fans have a disdain for Syracuse, so <laughs> they, they won't mind uh, beating, beating the Qs, um, or at least ho- hope they beat the Qs. And then Washington, Arizona State. Nebraska, man. Oh, I, I, Stanford might be that ne- the next team up there. I agree. Um, everybody saw last year how good um, the big kid is from from Stanford, and he's 
Tra- Travis. Reed uh, Travis. Reed Travis. Reed Travis. Yeah. Reed Travis is a really, really good player. So Stanford's probably that next team. And then, you know, flip a coin between the, the, the next guy. I think Nebraska's got some some pieces this season, but we'll see if they can put together. Maybe maybe you put Nebraska next just because it's in Lincoln. Yep. And, um, you know, you talk to people around college basketball, and they say Nebraska's like a sleeping giant because of that, the facilities that they have. And, um, I, you know, I, I, I'd like to get up there for that game. That, that's a that's an arena where I really like to see it because I, I hear when it's when it's hopping, it's it's a pretty fun place to be. So uh, maybe I put Nebraska next and then I'll say Arizona State, Washington. I think that's almost exactly my list. And for all the reasons you mentioned, there's going to be some buzz about Syracuse. Uh, there's going to be some buzz about Stanford. And that's kind of that dreaded right before Christmas game that Bill Self always takes so that the guys can fly home right afterwards. Um, and you know, KU's had success in those games, and then also lost a few of those games. I remember one in particular. You know, Temple got a pretty big drubbing right before Christmas, and I remember uh, writing that story. And you know, fans not being happy at that point. I think then you look at A and M. Uh, that game is kind of a dud. I mean, with the Big 12 SEC challenge, what it could be and what it has been for KU in the past, especially a home game. KU should take care of that. But I think you had. A- oh wait, I, I didn't even. I didn't even realize. I for. I'm looking at the uh, the early part of the schedule and I, I forgot to hop down to that SEC challenge. I disagree with you on AM being a dud. Oh really? A&M, yeah, yeah. That's a top twenty five team. I, I would really season top twenty five. They've got a, a, a really, really good roster. I think I saw on Twitter somebody the other day, um, an SEC I I can't I'm I i can not remember who tweeted it out or um who it was, but they said an SEC coach told them they thought Texas A and M would be the best team in the SEC. Really? Yes, I, I, I like it. I thought AM really underachieved last year. Tyler Davis is really, really good. DJ Hoag's good player. Um, they returned Robert Williams, who could have been a, a lottery pick. Um, so they, you, they've, they've got talent. They just didn't have guards last year, but they, they've got some talent. So where are you slotting that game? It's an Al Fieldhouse game, so you got to figure K's going to be favored pretty easily. I, 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 would, I would maybe put that above Syracuse. Wow. I would, That's I mean, a shocker. Yeah, it's 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 maybe one A and one B. I mean, the fact that it's at the field house, maybe um, maybe Syracuse goes up there a little bit, but but no, A and M's got some some legit talent. Like Tyler Davis is a legit talent, and and Robert Williams is a is a NBA draft you know potential lottery pick. Davis is a better college player, but but Williams is a is a really good prospect. So they they've got players. That's that's going to be a fun game. I just overlooked it because I didn't scroll down the schedule far enough. Wow, well, that's amazing. I was not expecting to hear that, but I kind of thought A&M. And for me, I, I guess it's just kind of the Billy Kennedy syndrome. I, I just haven't – I know he took him to a three-seed a couple years back, but it seems like they've kind of underachieved a little bit with the talent and kind of the expectations that have been down there. So we'll see what happens with Texas A&M, but that's interesting to hear you say that and to hear kind of the uh, preseason buzz around them. That's something I really hadn't heard too much of coming into the season. Maybe that could be a good game in Allen Field. I know when the Big 12 SEC schedule came out, there was a little bit of a disappointment just because KU couldn't play Kentucky this year, and then the KU-Missouri game is not going to happen, not under Bill Self's watch, so that kind of <laughs> left A&M as the uh, final team remaining or one of the only teams remaining, so that was kind of what happened with that we're going to go to a couple more of these twitter questions before we get out of here from jeffrey on here he says rank the top five ku teams of the williams and self era also the best cheeseburger in kansas city so uh cj i'll let you tackle either one of those first that you want to uh you're probably better at the kc stuff than i am just because uh, that is your neck of the woods up there 
Uh, so so he wants top five teams combined out of those areas I, or I, top I would, five let, of each? Let's, hey, let's do that. Let's talk it through. The top five teams of the Williams and Self era right now, let's rank them. Let's talk it through. What is, okay. what, what is the number one team to you? So it's the, the top three are probably – 08, 97, and 02. And I, and, and I have a hard time ranking those three. Let's go ahead and put 08 because they I, won the championship. I think you have to put 08. And in addition to that, again, from all the measures we can gather, uh, like from Ken Pomeroy's rankings, efficiency numbers, that team was elite. I mean, that team that team didn't wasn't a UConn that lucked into it you know, late in the season and made a nice postseason run. That was an elite team, so I, I feel comfortable yeah. putting 08 above anybody else. But and I'll go go ahead. No, I was gonna say, gonna but, say but but what? <laughs> but to me, right behind would be 97. But go ahead. I I actually might lean, and maybe it's just because I loved watching them play so much. The 02 the, the 02 team is the most entertaining team KU's probably ever had. I'd, so I, I'd maybe put O two ahead of ninety seven. No, no, no. But no, you no. you can go so you can go back and forth and back no. and forth. I mean, I'll go ahead and I'll I'll, I'll give you O two or ninety seven is the is the number two team. But nine, but 90, I would I would is, be willing to put O two number two. Ninety seven is closer to O eight than O two is is close to ninety seven. That makes sense. It it, it goes O eight ninety seven gap. O two. I think those. I think you can make an you argument had, for ninety seven being number one. You had listen, 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 listen here, Jesse. <laughs> you had Collison and Gooden in the front court. Okay, I put. I'll take that front court and and Wayne Simeon off the bench. I'll take that front court over Pollard, Lafrenz. Fair. Uh, okay. Lafrenz was freaking awesome, but I'll I'll uh, take him. I was gonna say like you're talking about. Peak Rafe LaFriends. Uh, okay. You're Go talking ahead. about peak Drew Gooden and, and pretty much peak Nick Collison. Uh, yeah, so I take that front not, court. Not quite peak Nick Collison. I mean, close. I, I think that came close. 20, He's a junior. 2003. Close. Okay. All right. Keep close. Going. He, I mean, if, if Gooden's not around that year, he probably is more like senior year Nick Collison. So, yes, close to peak Nick Collison. And then at the three spot, you know, it's, it's obviously 97. Is, is a clear favorite because because yes you have Paul Pierce that's that I mean I I, I realize that's the big <laughs> for for nice effort. but yes in the back court and you're Mr. Wingman take, too you like we did our draft and you took like eight wings on your team like you know the importance <laughs> of a wing I just got a Hall of Famer on my wing team who's yours yeah okay okay listen all right and then in terms of back court the the one and two spots I'm taking O two I I, I like just that as a combination, I like Miles Heinrich better than I like Vaughn uh, Haas. Bob, blasphemy. Why? Because Why because ninety seven went thirty four and one with its only loss before the final game in double overtime on the road to Missouri. You know, look, we can we can argue if you want. Okay, this player better than that player. This player not better than that player. All that sort of stuff, but. That team went thirty-four and one and was amazing playing together and knew which guys needed but to get the, the, the right other. Spot. The Played other the one made the great. final four. <laughs> CJ, you're not you're not going to hold a loss to Arizona in the Sweet Sixteen against the, well, uh, the, the other team. The other team also lost to the uh, the eventual champion. O two lost to the eventual champion. 
you're wrong. It's okay. You're wrong. I'm just, I'm, I'm just, I'm, you know, let's, I'm, it's, it's, it, I think it's a debate worth having. I don't think it's, I don't think it's clear cut. Also, Keith Langford as a freshman, yeah, he's not Pete Keith Langford, but he's pretty darn good. I'm going right now. I, I will put up a Twitter poll. No one will know why we're doing it, but I will just put who, which was the better team, 1996-97 KU basketball, 2001-2002. We will let the readers decide and uh, see where this comes in. And, let, and let's let's go through the losses real quick for 0-2. Uh, uh, there's a fluke loss to Ball State. Wait, wait, wait. I'm, I'm sorry. Did you say losses? Because I, I only talked about one loss with the 97 team. <laughs> a fluke loss to Ball State to start the season. Oh, they, they, oh KU lost its first game that year? Will you, will you oh, let me talk? Okay, go ahead. Will you let me talk? <laughs> and then... They lose at UCLA. I think that's the game where Barnes goes nuts. And then they don't lose again until the conference tournament. They lose to Oklahoma, who was a pretty damn good team. They had one of my favorite players of all time, Hollis Price. And, uh, okay, so they lose in the Big 12 tournament. Yeah, but then, and then and then they make the, the Final Four. I mean, the, the other team moves in the Sweet 16. I mean, they, they went 33-4 and four overall. Their offense was freaking incredible. I'm just saying it's it's a debate. It's crazy that uh, 97, 96-97 played in the Maui Invitational too, just like the Ball State you were talking about in 02, and one beat LSU by 29. I was there. Beat, I was actually there. Beat Cal by 18, beat Virginia by 17. Um, and, and, and without Jock Vaughn, he and, wasn't playing. And, and then KU played Oklahoma that same year. Your, your 2002 team lost to Oklahoma, and, and KU played in <laughs> 97. It was crazy. It like, and they won. It yeah, was, was Hollis Price there in 97? <laughs> I'm, I'm just, you know, I'm just, just comparing across the lines here. I'm just, it's, I'm just saying it's a debate worth having. Okay, well, I will put, on, I will, I will put okay. it on Twitter, and we will see the debate and how close it is. Uh, and I'm, I'm going to wipe the floor with you. But, I mean, I feel good about this because it's not very often. You know, sometimes if we want to do a race, you would beat me. If we wanted to play one-on-one, you would beat me. Uh, this, I am going to demolish you. So I feel good about you this. Know, I, I didn't even quite go there. I, I said it's a debate worth having. I mean, I, I'll, I'll give you 97. It's the number two. Okay, so so are we good on those top three? Yes, yes. So who are you going for four and five? Um. Four, I'm going to go – man, it's so tough. I, I think four, I'm going to go 2011 Kansas. Mm, you are That's, so in love with Marcus Morris. This is ridiculous. I am so in love with Marcus God, Morris. this is ridiculous. And There's no way 2011 was better than 2010. You're just – you're wrong. Here, let me go back to this thing we call losses, uh, CJ. I, I actually – 33-2. There, there's two. somebody that, that – I, I can't say it. I can't say it. But but the, the, it's the, the eleven verse ten is also a debate worth having. Okay. All right. So the, the ten ten the 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 pieces just fit together a little bit better in eleven than they did for for ten. There's a thing. There's such thing as having too many players and having some chemistry issues. I don't think there was one chemistry in, issue in eleven. They should have won the national championship in eleven. 10, yeah, they probably should have won the title then too, but I, I think the the mesh of 11 just went together a little bit better. But I, I'm, I'm, I will grant you 2010 as, are you going to put that number four? I, as I said, the chemistry issue was between the Morris twins and whoever they talked to pregame, um, especially the VCU players that didn't like it very much. So was that the chemistry issue? No, I'm, I'm talking about 2010. You had, you had the Henrys there. Oh, I got you. Yeah. Uh, 
um, you know, it, it, and it wasn't even close to peak twins yet. And, uh, yeah, it was just, there were, there were a lot, that, that was a tough year for, for Tyshawn, I think. 15-1 um, in the Big 12. Oof. No, they were, they were really, what was the, what was 2011 Four, in the Big 12, Jesse? 14, 14 and 2. 14 and 2. Yeah. So, and they, they didn't lose in the non-conference, 10 did. Yeah, at Tennessee, that's, I mean, that's, that was a tough game. But yeah, uh, I, I, th- that's a debate worth well, having. Well, okay, and, so, and so are there, is there anybody else? Is there anybody else from Roy era or any other teams oh, that? Oh, three. I mean, it, it's a, it's really really tough. I, I love the Rex Walters, Adonis Jordan, Roy team, but I would probably put I think the O three team there is like probably number five. I mean, it's 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 hard to just pick five. But it, would you be in agreement? Maybe O O three is is number five. I think. Yeah, I think those three teams are where you're looking at at four, five, and six. I think I would go. Turn, to, I, I would go twenty ten. You're agreeing that eleven's involved there. Uh, yeah, I would go twenty ten fourth. I would go. T- so what's what's tough is I think twenty eleven was more dominant during the regular season. I think two thousand three found its way in the postseason. So it's it's difficult to split I mean, hairs there. You because know? I love Nick Collison so much. I'm going to go ahead and put 03 number five. Wow, you love Nick Austin more than you love Marcus Morris. That is really sad. Oh, uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, okay. I, I love Nick Austin. It's, well, un, it's unhealthy. I think love. that. Okay. <laughs> well, I'll go 2010. And yeah, I think I'll, I'll agree with you on that one. 2010, then 2003, then 2011. Okay. Good. That's, and, all right. Best and, burger place in Kansas City. Give it to me. Um,. I'm going to go Grandstand Burger in Merriam. Try it. Little hole in the wall. Delicious. Nice. Have not have not been there. We'll have to try next time I'm up at KC. Yeah, we'll have to like eat it outside because the place is tiny. But, uh, yeah, two of my favorite restaurants that are tiny hole in the walls. I think I've already mentioned the other one on the pod before. Anita's is down the street. Delicious tacos. And, uh, yeah, Grandstand Burger. Good, 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 good little stretch there in Merriam. Sounds good. All right, guys, we're going to take a short break, and right after that, we're going to wrap up the podcast. SeatGeek is the easiest way to find the best deals on tickets to pretty much any live event. Concerts, sports, theater, comedy, whatever you want. Download the SeatGeek app today and enter promo code SEATS to save $20 on your first purchase. All right, CJ, late night, a week away. Any final comments here before we uh, move on with the podcast and get ready for the start of basketball season? Oh, it'll be good to actually have basketball. And I'm I'm trying to decide whether to come to late night or not. I come to late night, Jesse. I'm not sure if I'm going to be in town, but if I'm in town, do I come? It's your call. It's my call. It's 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 tough. I uh I I might be there just just so we can we can pot about it afterwards, maybe. Yeah, that would be good. Well, and at least you know the location of it. Um, at least <laughs> at, at least you weren't thinking they were playing in Spain or you know Czechoslovakia uh-huh. or any of those places. Uh, you'll you'll know the location for it. But you know there is a lot of excitement for this year for KU basketball, and a lot of it is just the fact that it is basketball, and this is the one program that basically every KU fan can look to and say. Hey, it's 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 time to be excited about this particular team, this particular coach, these particular players, and the expectations will be high once again for this KU basketball team, uh, as high as always, don't you think, CJ? Yeah, the, the, I mean, not as not as high as some years, but they 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 should be high. They're preseason top five. They've they've got 
Devontae Graham, senior point guard, and yeah, they they, they should they should be high expectations. They all should be high for for KU. But uh, it's 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 going to be a fun year, and it's gonna, it's just going to be fun how to see how these kind of pieces fit together. It's going to be more of a puzzle for for self than than some other years. But I, I think that's that that makes it fun. Yep, a lot of recruiting stuff happens at late night as well. So uh, I would almost promise you next week be tuning in. I know we've got some questions on here for Twitter for recruiting. Me and CJ are not the best ones to ask about that, so we will probably try to get someone on the podcast who is better equipped to talk about recruiting and what this day could mean for KU basketball in the years to come. For CJ, this is Jesse. Thanks for checking out the Sports BKC podcast. Be sure to tune in for another episode next week.